Welcome to the Reason to Behold podcast with me, Tolly Talks. So normally it's Arnold that does the intro, but Arnold is on annual leave. So one of the things that's really important is getting rest, is being able to spend some time on the other things in our lives. So, you know, mm. once a year, twice a year, Arnold and I will try and get some time to, to just rest and to just do different things. So Arnold's going to be away for a few weeks, but... I have a roster of amazing guests for while Arnold is away. So we will kick off this week's episode with Abraham and Junior. So guys, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having us, man. It's a pleasure to be here, bro. Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. <laughs> Thank you. So I met Junior at Abraham's birthday. And some of the conversations we had at the dinner table were, they were juicy. They were juicy. <laughs> they were juicy. So I'm not going to say anything more than that, um, but I'm really looking forward to this episode. So everybody already knows Abraham. So Junior, would you mind introducing yourself, please? Yay. My name is Junior G. Um, married to my beautiful wife, Sarah. I currently live in Shoreditch, where we're planting a church called Oxano Shoreditch. Love okay. family. Okay. And what, what, does that, what does that name mean? Oksana means to grow in Greek. It means growth or, grow, or to grow. It's actually a verb. Um, and it, it's from the, from the passage Ephesians 4.15, mm-hmm. which basically says, speaking the truth in love, we may um, in all things grow into him who is the head Christ Jesus. So mm. it's all about growing into his likeness. Heavy, heavy verses, heavy verses. And how long have you guys had the church for? Uh, actually, I think we could we could say one year now, just about one year. We, okay. It was myself and Sarah in a coffee shop. <laughs> That's how it started. <laughs> myself and Sarah in a coffee shop, reading through the Book of Ephesians, which mm. where God gave us that kind of confirmation of where we're going. And then one person joined, and another person, and another person, and we are here today. Um, and by mm. God's grace, is growing. Um, people just popping up left, right, and centre, and turning up and saying, "Oh." This, you know, so we're trusting God for more growth as, as we go along. Amen to that. And how have you how have you found it? You know, starting your own church was this something you'd always wanted to do, or was this quite a, a bit of a surprise? Nah, that one. <laughs> always wanted to do chai. <laughs> there are some people, you know, starting your starting your death warrant early, bro. <laughs> nah, it's one of those things where. <laughs> it's one of those things where um, I knew God's hand was on my life to be fair I actually thought that I was going to grow up and just serve in the church that I grew up in but um, after a while I, I started to notice my heart was was drawn towards wider ministry towards growing something new and it was drawn towards the de-churched the people the de-churched or the unchurched the people who have never actually been to a church or have walked away from church or walk away from christ because of different things deconstruction um which is another topic in itself but deconstruction or or church trauma really that was my heart a lot of church people were struggling with church trauma, church hurt, and how i can minister to them and bring them back to falling in love with jesus and then tolerating <laughs> some of his <laughs> some of his peoples because yeah. we 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 are sometimes a messed up bunch but if you can fall in love with jesus enough you can tolerate some <laughs> some of us a little bit um that's not excusing stuff like church abuse and spiritual abuse and stuff like that but um where we can be in a place where we can grow uh, people to love jesus and look like jesus and become like jesus in every way which is what oxana is all about i love that because i think that 
this thing of like people rarely are mad at God. They're usually more mad at his people, right? And it's his people, mm, that, yeah, you know, his people that mess things up. So I feel like even Jesus in that moment where he was on the cross, he's looking at them going, look, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And these aren't people who are meant mm. to be loving Jesus like that, yeah. you know, and we are people who are meant to love Jesus, be growing into his likeness. And sometimes we're still going to make mistakes, but it's often not from a from a malicious place, you know? So mm, I love yeah. what you're saying about falling in love with Jesus. And then you can extend some of that love and grace to his people. So I really like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the one of the things that I've noticed is that um, whenever people put his people on that pedestal that only Jesus should be on, they often suffer the hardest heartbreaks, the hardest. Uh, mm, yeah, because, because there's only one perfect person, and the and the Bible's amazing at this. The Bible shows us that all of our greatest heroes in the Bible were all severely flawed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. 100%. 100%. The, the, the sweet psalmist of Israel was a typical worship leader, wasn't he? Like, <laughs> just, that's, that's, how it, that's how it will already. That's how it problems. Worship wow. leaders don't come from here. You know, God loves you. You know, God loves you. <laughs> typical you know, worship leader. Gifted. You know, do you know what I mean? But he's gifted, anointed, but you know what? Them, them sisters. <laughs> it's a struggle for them. You know what I mean? But, but David was anointed, and one of the things is, and God says he's a man after my heart. But look at his life. Goodness gracious me! If he's your brethren, you wouldn't want him around. Like <laughs> Mr. Stereo but, Girl. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, like the original David songs. Do you know what I mean? Like forget about Trey. But you have this picture of Abraham telling lies or Noah getting drunk. Uh, well, uh, sorry, there's a, there's, a, there's a kind of funny yeah. joke about <laughs> one guy was preaching at my church one time, yeah? And he goes, Noah was a drunkard! <laughs> I was like, this guy, bro. <laughs> I was like, don't go too far, but he got drunk once, bro. <laughs> so don't go too far. Like, but anyway, but Noah got drunk and yeah. Moses disobeyed God. You know, all these stuff. The only perfect person is Christ. Mm. Mm. He's the only yeah. one we're supposed to be looking at. And it's not easy to take our eyes off what we see yes. in church. It's not easy to take our eyes off what people are doing in church. Mm. But um, my, my goal is to keep people focused on Christ so that when we are dealing with stuff, and that's and this is the this is the root of ch- church discipline anyway, because I think one of the things we don't talk about, especially in modern evangelical um, charismatic circles is church discipline. That's not even a real thing in some places. And that's why some things are going the way they're going, isn't it? So, um, sorry, well, when you say church easy. discipline, what exactly do you mean by that? So, church discipline as, it, as, as stipulated in the scriptures is that whenever somebody has... Um, has has committed a sin committed an offense against somebody there should be a process by which that person is rebuked and brought back to restore restored from that position so um like a leader who has been caught in some form of adultery or sin or whatever it is that leader should be publicly rebuked taken away from their position and then put on a path of restoration they may never ever grace the pulpit again that's that's part of the consequences of sin isn't it but at least they can be restored to fellowship and forgiveness and all of those things Mm. can be brought back in however there's one of the things that we see is that a lot of churches 
quickly you hear touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm <laughs> <laughs> you hear that kind of stuff like yeah. you hear that kind of language used as a way of giving leaders mm-hmm. impunity and actually that's not scriptural it's not biblical but and that doesn't create a safe space for church where leaders must be ultimately accountable to god mm-hmm. and then and then to the congregation and so yeah so yeah we don't we I, we're, personally we don't practice this thing of church leadership as above or sitting on top of the church mm. church leadership is in the church as a function of the church and therefore cannot be above the church exercising authority over it but exercise authority within the church as god has function as god has called it to be but yeah there's this there's so much in terms of what well, why why some churches are good hey why it's because pastor when pastor says when pastor says x you dare not say y mm. even if y is in the bible <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah if the y is in the bible and you open the bible and say but pastor it says why how dare you do you know that yeah man you heard, i don't know which god you're hearing from because he doesn't contradict his word so, mm. <laughs> so you know what I mean? oh, yeah, that's that's another point altogether enough about Sorry. all of that stuff but sorry, one, one thing I wanted to, to dig yeah. a little deeper on is you mentioned about how in your church, the, the leadership positions are not necessarily elevated. So what does that look like practically in the, in the day-to-day life of your church? I, so in the day-to-day, I mean, one of, the, one of the ways that we've done this is that on a Sunday, our Sunday service is a Bible study and it's a Bible study facilitated by us. So we've taken the, pew, the pulpit into the pew. Mm. So we are here normally pastors do this thing of and it's, there's nothing against it I'm, I'm, I'm big on preaching I, some of my favourite people are preachers I can mm. go through the list maybe we'll talk about that later um, some of our favourite preachers Abraham and I share share a roster of preachers that we listen to <laughs> especially when we're going through difficult times and we need some <laughs> motivation you know no, you've got no. to listen to mm. Raven Hill Paul Washer get yourself out of your slum <laughs> slumber <laughs> get up you went old school <laughs> Paul Washer yeah trust old me school. Paul Washer Raven Hill Tozar those are the guys that are going to get you out of your sleep <laughs> get off <the> break. <laughs> but um but but then also the church the the leadership um so we are in where we're, we're sitting with them reading the scriptures with them allow basically working through interpretation with them so it's live exegesis so we're doing it together which means that i don't go away and and, and it's it's important for pastors to do this to be fair to go away and do their own hermeneutics and all of that stuff with inter- text interpretation but i get to do it with them Mm. And they get to do it with me and get to mm. break down mm. the scriptures. And as they're breaking down the scriptures, as you're reading the scriptures together, we mm. we see that the authority here isn't myself and Sarah yeah. Yeah. or or Nova and Alicia who are our co-leaders. It's Jesus. He's the authority, mm. and the rest of us are fitting in based on where we <laughs> based on where He's called us to be. Yeah. That's that's the way it looks practically on a Sunday. Um, so ultimately, because we're teaching. Our, our, our church family that scripture is our is our authority is the final arbiter now as a practice whenever i say something they have the right to challenge me like the bereans and go is that in scripture yeah. in fact i tell them to and i tell them if there's anything dodgy about me these are the leaders that you need to go and contact right so mm. you have this as a practice mm. from, from the offset 
they know who our national leader is they he's coming he's coming and spoken at church they know who our oversight is they can find we've given the opportunity to know how the different the different leaders that are speaking into our lives and they, so they have access to our accountability structures straight away because we are not sitting above them we are part of the church we are part of the church we are part of Oxana as much as we are leading but we're leading from within rather than leading from above the only one that leads from above is the head and he's the only one that has the right to do that the rest of us are all inside the body so if I'm a nerve cell giving signal doesn't mean that I'm the brain <laughs> do you know what conduit. I mean? it's a conduit I'm a nerve cell mm. I'm a conduit that's yeah. it I'm a nerve cell the brain has the right to be sending all the signals mm. I just carry my own signal oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> don't come and glorify a nerve signal when the brain is to be worshipped the, the, mm. the head of the church is to be worshipped not us so yeah that's that's how it looks practically and we're working on it as well by the way so that's another thing we're still developing it as we go along our ecclesiology is growing so that's our mm. understanding of what church should be like is growing and so we may look different in a year, two years' time, but we're, we're trusting the head of the church to guide us. Yeah. I love that. One of one of the things that you mentioned was a little bit around church hurt. So I wanted to ask Ooh. you guys, have you ever been church hurt? Abraham should speak first. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? <laughs> you know I don't, you know what? I've I've dealt with difficult people at church, <laughs> but I don't call it church hurt because some of the okay. stuff I've heard, yeah, people go through. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah. that's real church hurt. Yeah. Like, I don't think I've dealt with church hurt. I just feel like I've had difficult moments with difficult people, but mm. it's been all right. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But are you are you minimizing? No, I'm not. I honestly don't. I don't oh feel that wow! <laughs> wow! <laughs> <Went for it. laughs> That's, you know what I mean? I like, knew he was gonna do this, bro. We both been to therapy, bro. So we know. Yeah, but that wasn't that wasn't my reason for going to therapy. Do you know what I mean? Nah, but I I'm saying I, I generally don't like some of the stuff I've heard people go through. I'm like, wow, that's wild. Church, church. Wild. I've, you know what I mean? I've, after these difficult, uh, you know, situations, I've been okay. Like, okay. Do you get what I'm saying? I've, I've still been able to go to church. I've still been all right. Like there hasn't yeah. been any real trauma from it do you get what I mean mm. so I don't want to like because sometimes I think like nowadays yeah everyone and not obviously everyone can feel how they want to feel about things that have happened to them in it but yeah. sometimes yeah we can make a big deal out of something that's not like yeah. you know what I'm saying Yeah. so I, I don't want to be that person in it that's like oh this is you know, you know and it really isn't I just had a difficult conversation or a disagreement and you know we're cool yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're so right because there's also a difference between someone within the church being difficult with you and like the mm. big C church, for example, hurting you. Like there's yeah. different levels. And I think it also goes mm. two ways. So there's one from, you know, leadership, well, a few ways. Leadership down, church hurt. You know, yeah. peer to peer yeah. church hurt. And yeah. also yeah. Yeah. Right. church hurt. Like leaders be getting hurt by the church on a regular yeah, yeah. basis. <laughs> <It's true. laughs> yeah, you're right, you know? You're right. I don't know people are saying nothing about it. No, because they expect it to be. Yeah, it. it's like they're meant to just deal with it. Which I think is, which I think is fundamentally, fundamentally, um, I think it's fundamentally toxic about church culture that they think that leaders should just be abused. 
And I, like, it's like, it's. It, I think it's actually a warped view of, of how we look at Christ. Are you supposed to forgive oh. us anyway? Like, actually, no. Wait, oh, well. <laughs> but I'm not actually him. Jesus yet. I'm not actually him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm human. It's a human being with family, with everything. You're just treating oh. them anyhow. Because yeah. and then the next thing they will say, they so this is the same person that will go and cuss out the pastor. Who will say, oh, pastor, you didn't turn up for my 60th birthday. How? <laughs> Meanwhile, that pastor was visiting someone that was sick. And they didn't turn up for their 60th birthday. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the kind of confusion yeah. that is pervasive you know I in church. I think what it is, is that a lot of people have not been in a leadership position. A lot of people have not seen the impact of what it actually looks like. So I'm not a yeah. pastor. And I, to be honest, if I really have to say, it, I hope it's not me. Yeah. If Michael <laughs> and Gabriel both come down and tell me, Tol, you, okay, cool. But I've had a lot of, <laughs> I've had a lot of friends who have been pastors or pastors' kids or different variations. And I've seen what they go through. So when I'm now mm. in the congregation, I'm thinking, don't let me be the person that causes this person such harm. But I don't think yeah. I've mm. actually been that close and seen what that actually yeah. is. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think there's, I think there's a place where, um, there's a place where people get to where they feel like the pastor is almost, the pastor almost has an iron heart. And they, and they don't feel anything anymore and I can just do what I want and it's abusive it's abusive it's abusive it's really abusive it's mm. an abusive nature that mm. makes people do that um, mm. but because we don't call it that and because the ones the things that are most prominent in mm. in the media is top down abuse because pastors often don't I know they, they, they and this is a, obviously trigger warning here but there's a lot of um, pastors who have been committing suicide. Yeah. Committing suicide. Bad, yeah, man. And people are going, oh, why don't they speak to somebody? Who? Who? who can speak to? Who could you speak it's to? It's a lonely road. Yeah. <laughs> like, do pastors only have each other and older pastors? They don't really have, they can't talk to their congregation about the stuff. No. Oftentimes, unless you have a really, you've, like, you've built this kind of framework or culture into your church of praying for your pastor of praying together people are just going to use the pastor like vending machine mm. and the pastor's got kids and the kids mm. end up the kids end up despising the church and despising the ministry mm. because dads mm. always have to especially because i mean most churches the pastors are men dad always has to run off to go and do this and dad always has to go and do that dad never has mm. no time for me that is always with other people's children and not with mm. me mm. You see what I'm saying? And so people don't see that as a... Rather, congregations should start saying to the pastor, take a break. Force the pastor on a break. If you but you know your, what, though? Force yeah. him on a break. Force her on a break. I was going to say, everyone's perception of the pastor is he's got to have it all figured out. Absolutely. And that, that's the perception people have, though. Like, yeah. The pastor can't have no issues. He's a man yeah. of God. He, yeah. He's... He's got direct access. He should have everything put together. <laughs> and so, <laughs> there's such a high expectation, isn't it, of the pastor? Like, it's, it's crazy. Because I, I remember a conversation, um, a group of us, we had, my late pastor, he had a mentoring group. And um, he gave us, he, he passed away from cancer. And after he got his diagnosis, he sat with us and he spoke. And in that moment, I saw Joseph, the man, not mm. Pastor Joe that everybody we the man he was honest, vulnerable, transparent with us. 
do you know and shared some of his fears do you know and we weren't thinking oh you're pastor joe we were just like no this is just men talking yeah. you know mm. but he couldn't have that conversation with everyone yeah. but us he, he, he where where his sons so it yeah. was a do you get what i'm saying it was a different relationship he has with us but mm. everybody else wants to see that he because all right he can't share that somebody's fears because we're praying. You're the guy with the faith. <laughs> you say, but bro, why is that the thing? Why is that the thing? Why is the with the faith? Why, why is it like that? I don't, I don't know why, bro. Well, I, I think people should stop seeing their pastors as the first responder and start seeing them as a first repenter because all the pastor is doing is teaching you how life of turning to Jesus. Mm. Right? And so he's he's flawed. Yeah. He may even, he may even be... W- Newsflash, he may even be weaker in some areas than you. Mm. Wow. Mm. Mm. That's, that's powerful still. Yeah. So, pastors must live their lives as first repenters, not first responders. Because mm. you're not here to save everybody. Jesus already did that. So, your job, your job, is, to, your job is to show people how to turn to jesus mm. i keep turning i keep turning mm. i keep when i fall i keep turning to jesus when i'm struggling i keep turning to jesus that's your life your life is a signpost mm. but what happens is people try to make the pastor self first responder and the pastors often get carried away with hero complex it's easy to do because your heart is compassionate if you're a pastor you have a compassionate nature you want to you want to help and actually, sometimes the best help to say, mm. I can't help you. Can't help you. <laughs> Only God can help you, bro. Yeah. I'm pray yeah. with you, but that's it. I ain't got nothing else to give you. Mm. All I got is all of the only thing I got to give you is what I give I give every Sunday. It's Jesus. Yeah. I don't have anything else to give you. Mm. I can mm-hmm. signpost you to certain uh, organizations. Maybe that, you know some people think that their pastor should be able to signpost them to every. It's a one-stop shop. Mm. You're supposed to know. All the mental health services, all the cams, is all the. Uh, now, NS- now they wanted to be a social commentator. Thank you. <laughs> everything. <laughs> everything. <laughs> the pastors go up there and they butcher, they butcher everything. <laughs> and some of you know what you know, some some of them yeah are getting themselves in more trouble because they're trying to be a social commentator. I don't know. Not well versed in. <laughs> I don't know about this B B L M Blem. That blame is not from God. <laughs> I don't know. Some of you, you are saying you are woke, but you are still sleeping. <laughs> some, some of them are too woke. They need to get some rest. They've been, <laughs> they been, they been up for too long. <laughs> you, are still, you are still sleeping. That's why the Bible says, wake or sleep up. <laughs> we don't believe in woke here. We believe in Jesus. <laughs> You don't even know what you're talking oh. about. Man. Just go and sit down. Leave it for people who understand it. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Pastors get that pressure. I don't even know what I'm mm. talking about, pastors. But hey, pastors get that pressure. Pastors <laughs> get that pressure to conform to. Oh, pastor, they're talking about they're talking about um, uh, marriage and sexuality. You need to say something about it. Pastor, open your Bible and read Jesus, and let Jesus talk about it, and keep mm. your mouth shut. Mm. You don't have an opinion on the matter. You're not an expert in sexual ethics. Go and read the Bible. Yeah. I say, this is what the Bible says. This is what we believe. End of story. If people don't like it, they don't like it. End of story. I'm not an expert in... You know? I think it comes back to what you were saying about people putting you know, pastors on a pedestal. I think that yeah, it's absolutely. an unfair thing to do, firstly. like No one is built to take that kind of pressure 
other than God himself. Like, I'm mm. not meant to be putting people on that kind of pedestal because they're people just like Yeah. Me, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. The, the yeah. reason I'd, I'd actually ask you guys about Church Hat is because what I wanted to understand is what do you guys go to do? What do you guys do to heal from something like Church Hat? He didn't answer his question, actually. He didn't. What'd you say? You, you haven't answered yet. <laughs> yeah, I answered with you, bro. No, 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 Church hurt. No, are there things that are there things that I would say I was grieved about or hurt about? Maybe, but most of those things are to do with my own decisions. Some of the decisions I made, or um, or did not make. Some of the decisions. So there's some decisions I didn't make for the fear of looking rebellious. Yeah. Um, some some. Yeah, I mean, we had a Bible study that we were running, and. I just knew that while the Bible study was in the church building on a Friday, it was not going to be respected. So I, we should have moved the Bible study into a lo- local community area. Because we had, I mean, I don't, I, listen, not all of them, I'm not going to put any blame on them, but we had people walking up into our Bible study and say, ah, we need some young people to come and move chairs. <laughs> the middle of us having a serious, serious discussion about the sovereignty of God. Yeah. We're, we're dealing with some matters you know matters of election are hard you know they're difficult <laughs> topics and the person say eh, um, some of you need to help us to move chairs downstairs because they're having a um, a banquet t- ne- uh, tomorrow so we need you to come and move chairs so we should stop our bible study for you <laughs> would you find any young people to do? <laughs> do you know what I mean so I don't think these are things of church hurt but for me I I, I didn't speak up enough for fear of looking like Oh, he's rebellious and that. But I got that. I, I, I'm not older than, but I got that kind of attachment anyway because I'm I'm radical. I'm, but that's only a nutter would want to plant a church anyway. So, so, like, so, so like I should have just gone with it. I should have just gone and said, "Nah, um, we're moving the Bible study out of the church building and we're going to move it to this area." And 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 it would have. It probably would have. It probably would have thrived until now. Maybe that would have been a church plant beforehand. But some of these things are, and they talk about therapy. These are some of the things I've been working out as well. Mm. My whole journey in therapy is is one of the th- one of the things I've avoided is getting into confrontation with people mm. for fear of looking like maybe even the even the term the angry black man, but mm. looking like this this this. Um, person who he, he's not unteachable he's mm. he's radical he's highly ambitious he, mm. he just wants to be the, he just wants to be the senior pastor that kind of thing you have to just navigate those things i've tried to navigate those things but i should have spoken up a couple of more i, I think I, there's a, a few incidents where i think i should have spoken up um one of the big one of the incident another incident is this we myself and abraham were running a young men's cell group kind of thing and um <laughs> so it was going really well like we, my, myself and Abraham were running the cell group really well had a whole bunch of young young guys that were 30 40, it was like 30 of them in it 30 yeah, yeah. Um, and you know they would come we would talk we, we had something called mystery time we were talking about things that are just 
like blow people's minds about the scriptures and stuff like that. Um, and then, then some 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 envy came in because because we were running that with the the men, the young men. I don't think there was anything going on for the young girls, but that's not our our problem because we had we had female youth leaders, so they needed to use their initiative and do what they need to do. But it was complaint after complaint. Ah, they are saying that the boys have something. Why is it that the boys have something? The girls don't have anything. They now started to come to us, me and AP, <laughs> me and Abraham. They came to me and Abraham and said, oh, you know, you need to do something for the girls. I said, me? What am I going to do with a bunch of teenage girls? What am I going to do with them? Mm. <laughs> what am I going to do with them? Hi, guys. It's very, thank you. But they're not thinking because they just, they just, and this is a big thing. Myself and Abraham, well, let me speak for myself and maybe Abraham can chip in if he thinks this. Mm. We were seen as functions not based on not our own person mm-hmm. we're not seen based on our person but on mm-hmm. our function because mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that we were misunderstood about and i'm like guy that's not me that has mm-hmm. nothing to do with me but mm-hmm. function wise we they knew us for the, our hard work and our ethic and the ability to raise things from the ground out of ground zero near enough nothing there so we break so they wanted us to come and do girls ministry can you imagine if that had been attacked? Thank God that we didn't. <laughs> we would have been flogged. You know how we'd have got cancelled? Two men wanted to run ministry with little girls. Little girls. Ah, God forgive me. How could I even... Oh, God forbid. A lot of my... How could I even get into a place where... So what we did, what we did do you... Instead of what we should, what I should have done, this I'm talking for myself, what I should have done is gone to the female leaders and said, set up something for the girls because they're complaining to us. So set up something for the girls. Mm. Didn't really do that. So we then expanded it to make it like a mixed group. Oh, yeah. Bombed. Them boys weren't talking. They were just, <laughs> hmm? Some of those boys yeah. that were talking about their struggles, all of that stuff, they kept quiet, boy. They see them sit there like this. I'm not saying. I'm not saying Jack, mm. and that was it. That was probably the beginning of the end. Then it was like, like it was yeah. That was, so a couple of couple of this. I, sh- I wish I stood up a couple more times. I said a few things that I needed to have said because um, there was nothing. There was nothing honourable in backing down. There was nothing honourable in that, and I and I stand by that. I feel like sometimes we're not necessarily taught how to disagree without being disagreeable. And I feel like, especially yeah. in the chat scenario, and mm-hmm. we're African and Nigerian on top, is like, that's my elders. Yeah? How yeah. can I disagree mm. with my elders? That's that's disrespect in itself. And we're not yeah, really absolutely. taught how to be able to have that conversation. But then now, like, I'm 30 years old. And now, like, people are calling me uncle. Yeah? So at what point do I... Now you're an uncle, I'm an uncle. At what point can we have that conversation? I feel like it's not yeah. to us. You're right. You're right. It's funny because we spoke today and we we're speaking about <laughs> this this morning. And there's there's one of our friends that grew up with us in church, yeah. And like clearly his parents gave him a space to express himself. <laughs> like, bro, <laughs> Tony, you don't understand, yeah. Like an uncle comes and tells us off, yeah, and we all just listen in church, innit? Because it's like an uncle, he challenges it. Yeah, yeah, straight away. Yeah, straight away. 
And I always admired the fact that <laughs> he was challenging his uncles. The sacrificial <laughs> lamb. Throw him out there and let Bro, because I was like, if I try it and my mum finds out, I'm dead. <laughs> dead. <laughs> but he could challenge it. Yeah. But isn't that what you said in it? We won't thought that like to kind of actually challenge something that doesn't make sense or mm-hmm. do you know what I mean he's just gonna like, alright cool this is what the uncle's saying in it we gotta listen to it do you know but I guess he was giving that space in it sometimes he, he went too far in it but... <laughs> I just always admired that you know what I'm saying from a young age that like, right he would actually challenge things I remember one time one uncle said to him he was challenging that uncle back and forth he said the uncle said I know your dad he said no you don't what's his name <laughs> <laughs> The uncle didn't know his dad. <laughs> he caught him out. Because his dad lives in his dad lives in America. So how's he how you know my dad? You don't know my dad. <laughs> he flogged him back. <laughs> but you know what I would say I would say I would say that one I agree with Abraham, but I, I mean sometimes I don't want to think too deeply about it, but I do think that the inability to disagree with our elders has has severely severely hindered us mm. in, in talk about as Africans, as West Africans, as Nigerians has really hampered our development overall because when we get into the workspace Come on. unless we switch unless we switch our minds mm. it's very easy for us to become uh, to assimilate to um, accommodate to, to placate all the other eights that will remind you of <laughs> Just, just you just become this this um, appeasement machine. You're trying to appease everybody that's been around. But Billy and Charlie and Sam, and Sam have grown up in a house where they're saying to mum, "No." And I, I don't I'm not saying that that's the best way to do things. But they've grown up with the place where they can express themselves. And and I'm just talking about the contrast between mm-hmm. like growing mm-hmm. up in a uh, uh, like a white British household and a and by the time Billy's 13, he thinks he's a big man. Because I've seen it. I worked in schools. I worked in secondary school, primary schools. Mm. When you work in a primary school, you'll see a, a 10-year-old who tell you about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Bravely. Bravely. And when you go to... When you say to... You know the Nigerian, Nigerian children, yeah? I'm sorry. I have to use it sometimes. The Nigerian children, when they're misbehaving, so, so I should get on the phone to mum now, yeah? Uh, sorry, 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 sorry. But now, what? What? One of the white boys, he would say, "Call her now." <laughs> That's he it. Was it. He said, "Call her now." <laughs> you he lost all your bargaining power. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you, there's no, there's no bargaining power with that. I even give. I even go a step further. I've seen it working in a school. A student has said to the teacher, "The rules state you're meant to give me two warnings before you give this detention." Mm-hmm. And he's I'll right. Slaps. I'll give you two slaps, backhand, front hand, real quick. <laughs> but like I said, <laughs> you you see what I'm saying? You see the way we've grown up. You're not even challenging that. Even if you're right. You're, you I'm what, just thinking though? I'm finished when I get home. I'm not even challenging the teacher. And you see, you see how that expresses in the workplace is this. Not only do you become mm. this appeasement machine, but actually your leaders are expecting you to challenge. Your leaders place yes. value on the ideas that yeah. you bring, the challenge that you bring. Mm, so not only are you yeah. just appeasing everyone, but they're also thinking you're useless. They're thinking you don't have yeah. ideas. Why you don't get promoted? Because you don't know how to push back. You don't know how to mm, disagree yeah. without being 
agreeable because I'm thinking this man is my MD. He's in his 50. He wants me to call him Johnny. Yeah. I'm thinking Uncle Johnny. Yeah. And yeah, now yeah. you want me to challenge you. You want me to tell you I think you're wrong. You want Whoa. me to disagree with you. Like we're not, we're not really built that way in terms of our training sometimes. And it you're, really you're will right. screw us you're up in right. the workplace. You're absolutely right. I've, I remember my first part-time job. I couldn't, I couldn't get my head around the fact that this guy that was the same age as me, because he was a supervisor, he was just telling these uncles what to do. <laughs> my age mate. My age and mate. And he was calling them <laughs> on a first name basis. <laughs> Up there like, yo, what's going on here? Yeah. Mm. Mm. It's crazy, man. Yeah, it's, 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 it's hurt us deeply. Um, and I've seen it. I've seen it in the church space as well. I've seen it in church. There's a guy called, uh, he's, a, he's a mentor of ours called um, Reverend David. And he says, he said that there's something called chronological displacement. He said that oh. black leaders, black leaders tend to get to places of prominence 10 to 20 years after their white counterparts. Wow. Mm. Uh, black leaders are ending up at Downing Street in their 50s and 60s. Their white counterparts did that in their 30s and 20s. And it's like, so they're like, oh yeah, I've now finally reached Downing Street. And which is why it, there's a tendency for black leaders to stagnate the upcoming leaders because they just got there. Yeah. Like, mm. <laughs> so why should yeah. this small boy now come and think he has a right to come and take our position now? Mm. And I think... I think there's been a frustration on both on both leadership parts because when they're not on, they're not understanding each other. The generations are there's a generational divide because yeah. the difficulty is that they raise their children. A lot of these black leaders have raised their children in Britain, yeah. and they're going to school with Billy and Charlie and Sammy, oh, and, and they're looking at them. And they probably even and based on statistics now, this is not racialization, but statistically, they probably outperformed Billy and Charlie and Smith. And they go to university where Billy and Charlie and them lot probably didn't, right? Mm. And so they get into these really powerful places of uh, in in the in the secular space, and then they come back to church and they're treated like little boys or little girls, mm. and they're like, and so there's a clash now because instead of people sitting around the table and saying, okay, let's do things differently, mm. now these older leaders say you feel you can push up your chest, this young generation. <laughs> <laughs> you think I, you think you know too much because they, we sent you to school. Now you're coming back with your big English to tell us what to do. But isn't and, that why you sent me to school? Isn't that literally well, why you sent me to school so I could be a good leader? That's literally why you sent me to school. This is part of it. This is part of it. But then, no, I think they sent them to. No, I'm gonna be honest with you. They sent us to school for bragging rights. Yeah, that was their focus. <laughs> My son is a lawyer. <laughs> bragging rights is like you like. You're a season holder for a team just because you want to say you won the league, not because <laughs> not because you're actually invested in that team. So that kind of thing. So this there's this picture where the generations now there's a there's a clash now, and you see that a lot of younger leaders and older leaders clash. But though there are some of us who are called to be bridges, there are some of us who are called to try and work on this patch. But it's a difficult it's a difficult journey, my bro. Like because people are stuck in their ideological um or, or should i say stuck in their ideological silos and they're not moving past this place of saying actually let's sit around the table let's talk about our future um mm. when we sit around the table when we sit around the table when we sit around the table as equals we sit around the table and 
Older leads will be telling you, you can't sit at our feet. But then, but then, <laughs> then, then, then white, white counterparts will go and walk up to them. My, my, my white age mates will walk up to them and call them by their first name. Yep. Standard. You no problem. Standard. I'll tell you this, yeah. One of my, one of my, <laughs> this, is, this is a bit sticky, but one of my, um, one of the church leaders that I grew up grew up under has the same name as Abraham. Mm. One time I was in one of these national conferences, one of them walked up to me and said, oh, how's Abraham? I thought he was talking about him. I was talking about Abraham. <laughs> I was rattled. I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> Said, oh, first name basis. First name? You call him by first are you mad? His first name is Pastor. I call him by his first name. What do you mean? He's not have a first name. Yeah. He has, he has two names, pa- Pastor or Pops. No, there's no other <laughs> there's no other that's what I'm saying. So there's a there's a um there's that that's that shock value when I started to into like, whoa we don't do that here and uh, to be fair i wouldn't do that as a practice anyway because it's my lifestyle i actually prefer doing yeah pastor this pastor i don't i prefer it to be fair i think give honor to where honor is due i have no problem bro that's a but different I've thing just... but bro that's not that's not an age thing so like for example yeah, my in-laws that? are like my age mates but they're pastors so i will call them yeah. pastor because that's, that's what you that. are that's mm. what god has called you to be cool i don't know but do you not think i'll still challenge them of course I will. Like, of course. Mm. That doesn't mean that you're unchallengeable because you're a pastor. Of course not. That's nonsense. Mm. Yeah. That's the point. And I think that's where, that's where, um, and I think even in, in our generation, we've had people in our generation who think that they're unchallengeable because they're pastors or, or apostles or whatever. Even. And we've seen so many, some, some church hurt because of that. You know what I mean? Um, like, mm. I, I think we have to have a system that wants to create Bereans out of our churches who yep. are going to, like in Acts 17, check everything you're saying. Mm. And then come back to you if they, if they find something that's not correct. Then you go and do your, be a first repenter, not a first responder. You're not going to save everybody. Go and, go and show that you're turning to Jesus more faithfully every day. That's it. That's, that's your job so when pastors try to put them some pastors even put themselves on that pedestal because they're afraid of uh, their insecurity showing and so there's so many there's so many different things you know you unpack it they're just like and you know what <laughs> I think a... I think that's a really important thing is to understand why these things happen not just that they happen mm. but the why behind it's happening because I genuinely mm. don't think 90% of people are doing this on purpose I think there are, there are a small minority of people that are, they are wicked don't get it twisted wolves in sheep's clothing they're wicked but most people they just love god they want to serve god and they're just human they're getting it wrong Mm, yeah the why is so important yeah you're right yeah you're absolutely right i agree so you guys have mentioned therapy a couple of times so yeah so pastor junior how did you end up in therapy well, the first time I end up in therapy, I actually recommend a uh, recommendation from Abraham because he was using a particular service, and then I was mm. like, you know, what? I was away in Liverpool. It was actually I was away actually away in Liverpool for um, a church planting residency, and it was I mean it was it was difficult because we were I mean Liverpool is quay. It's far from family. It's far from. You know what I mean? Like, mm. it's just me, me and Sarah, and obviously people that we're getting to know. Um, so, and you know, we come from different worlds. So, like, there's so much that I'm learning from 
um, just being there, learning about myself and whatnot. But it was difficult. I think the thing that got us through, um, myself and Sarah, is that we learned to laugh. And this was just this, this is at the beginning of pandemic. We got up there April 2020, left April 21, um, and so yeah, I, I just realized that there were things in my life that weren't. I, I was seeing some in in um, as a word incongruencies in my life that there's things that were not meshing up not matching up and i was like i need to check out what's going on one of the things with me is that i am somebody who only knows that something is going on internally by watching my external behavior so so if i see that i'm if i see that i am avoiding people i can go hmm what's going on there Mm. I don't, you know some people have the inner voice going I feel sad I feel mm. lonely I feel mm. this and then they and then the external behavior reflects that I don't I don't get that inner check first the first thing I see is uh why are you been watching <laughs> you know that be kind of like what's going on yeah. here yeah um uh, why are you why are you laying in bed for for this long why are you grab your laptop and try to work from the bed rather mm. than getting up and doing stuff like that? So I'm watching mm. That was that was helpful and then obviously i saw the journey that abraham was on and actually it was a big inspiration for me because he he, he set pace with this thing um and my mentor our mentor um, reverend david was always preaching about psychotherapy and counseling about going mm, really yeah. yeah yeah he's been telling wow. us this from way back way back mm. um, wow. so it's been really good so i think i've i think i've gone to therapy and then i've i started again this september um I started again, but with a different person. Um, I reached out to a friend of mine who's a counsellor, and and he put me in contact with his friend. So it's been really, really helpful. Um, but I've, mm. I noticed I'm doing it for every when I hit particular journeys in my life, or when I start at the start of a new journey, I'm like, hmm, I need to do some mental gym mm. Mm. <laughs> to work on what's yeah. going on inside because I, I, I don't want to end up carrying things over that are not addressed um, yeah. so that's where I'm, that's where that's why I started my therapy journey and that's where it began really what are some of the benefits that you you've had from from being in therapy and anything that you feel like you can share then share if not don't worry about it uh, first the first thing was just that it got me through it got me through COVID I mean, just having somebody else to talk to about what I was going through and um, mm. someone who's going to just ask me the piercing questions was really good. And the one I've just started recently has been unpacking, I mean, a decade of emotions and stuff like that with one or two phrases. And I'm like, that's, that's, I mean, they're trade for it, but goodness, that is amazing stuff. I mean, mm. being able to, being able to identify why I felt a particular way or why I didn't do what I should have done, and now I'm addressing that. So, even of mm. Abraham about this, I mean, this morning, and I was like, "There's some conversations I'm going to have to have with mm. some leaders, with some people mm. that I didn't have before because of that." Remember, I told you that fear of being seen mm. as rebellious, unteachable. Mm. Mm. I will just have to have that conversation, and I will have to disagree without being disagreeable. Um, and so that's there's. But that has only come about recently as I've explored why I did what I did. You know, why I didn't stand up for 
the youth group that I was leading. Why I didn't say to people, actually, this is not going to work. Uh, why I didn't make the decisions mm -hmm. I earlier on. Um, and even like decisions with my parents and family, some of the decisions I've made where I've been conflict averse has actually hurt me in the long run rather than mm. rather than helped me. So, mm. so my 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 um, counselor is he's American and he uh, part of the accent, but he would be like, "Sometimes you gotta fight, Junior. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta fight." He's like, "You gotta fight." I mean, I know you're a man of God, but you know, <laughs> Baptist, you gotta, you gotta. Sometimes you gotta take your camel skin out the out the closet. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and, uh, but I was, I was like, yeah, this guy, man, he's a legend. He was just telling me, uh, that's amazing. You gotta take your camel skin out of the out of the out of the wardrobe mm. and say, yo, I'm gonna tell people they're brood of vipers today. That's it. Mm. It's just gonna have to happen. But mm. I've practiced. You know, I'm practicing now how to disagree with people, how to say, no, I don't agree with that. No, I'm not going down that path with you without dishonoring them. And and that's my that's my practice. I, I think this thing about sometimes as Christians, we mix up honor and obedience. They're two different things. Mm. Two totally different yeah. things. Like yeah. with God, yeah. he gives you an instruction, you do the instruction. Honor and obedience are the same thing. With humans, yeah. like you don't know everything. You're not omniscient. You're not. Um, you're not God. So I don't have to do everything mm. you tell me to, and yeah. it's okay yeah. for me to disagree. I'm not dishonoring you. I'm just yeah. disagreeing with you. Mm. That's okay. Yeah. And I think sometimes, you know, we think about delayed gratification in terms. Of, you know, I'm not going to eat this donut, and then I'm going to have a six pack. There's also delayed yeah. gratification in this, where I'm giving up my long-term happiness, my long-term peace. For this moment of wow, not having wow, a moment, wow, that's right? deep, man. Right, that's, so I'm saying I don't want to yeah. fight now. I don't want conflict now. But I'm going to be on. But you're in, suffering, man, as a result. On the inside, you? you're suffering for a long time. <laughs> you know, yeah. That's what. And that's why I unpacked. I realized that this, this a lot of the, you know, the, the, I'll give you two things that I spoke about. One of the things that I spoke about was this person called the inner saboteur and i called him the inner saboteur because i realized that whenever i go through a particular situation and, and it's been happening for almost a decade i have been engaged in self-sabotage for a long time because i associated success with persecution so Whenever I did something that was going really well in the yeah. church I grew up in, I knew that something was going to go wrong somewhere. Mm. Either somebody's going to have a complaint about it, somebody's mm. going to try to get involved, somebody's mm. going to try to drag it this way, that way, this way, that way. And I'm like, so I just started sabotaging myself and pulling away mm. and making myself look like I'm incompetent and incapable because if I look capable, if I look competent, I'm going to draw attention to what I'm doing. Right? And so I was working through this with, with, with my, my therapist. And he was like, what? He said, this saboteur sounds like a self-defense mechanism. He says, what are you trying to protect yourself from? And I said, you know what? I'm protecting myself from, from I would say, from being... Um, I don't want to be ex I don't want to be in the limelight. I don't want to be in public because it just draws negative attention towards me. Mm. Um, but he said, he said, 
but you're a pastor you're gonna have people you're gonna have you're gonna have to be in the limelight at one point in some way mm-hmm. uh, so how are you gonna deal with that and then i said well i realized that that self that inner saboteur was only doing for me what i couldn't what i wasn't doing for myself because i refused to disagree wow. I refuse to disagree. So it says, if you won't defend yourself, I'll defend you by taking you out of the way. Wow. Wow. That's deep, man. So that's what was happening within me. And I didn't notice that these are the systems that at work. Mm. And it links back to my childhood as well. Because if I found something to be... Um, if, I, if, I, if I was trying to avoid conflict mm. with somebody... Of like my dad, is that fight or flight kind of thing? Fight or flight, it was fight or flight, yeah, so and that um, kind of thing yeah. of just avoiding oh, because mm. they're gonna say Junior does everything or Junior does this, Junior does that, blah, 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 whatever it was that people say. I realized that I had to try and avoid now. I'm avoiding mm. doing ministry in a public, in a like I would do, I would be okay. This I realize this now, I'm going back over this year, watching some of my sermons, going, Yeah, I'm not, I watch the quality of my sermons. Personally, I always cringe when I listen to myself anyway, but that's just me. But watch my earlier sermons, Abraham could attest to this. My earlier sermons were full of passion, full of study, full of towards the end, there was a lot of mediocrity. I just did them to get by. Mm. I was put on the rotor. I don't want to dishonor the fact that I was put on the rotor. Let me do preach a nice TED talk sermonish kind of thing. As long as I get some amens, I go and sit down. Because of that inner saboteur who's protecting wow. me from because I'm not speaking up for myself. Mm. So that flight of fight, it's mad. That flight of fight response is me not speaking up for myself. So it says, all right, I'm going to shut you down. So because you're not doing it for yourself. And I'm and I'm looking at my life, I'm going, yeah? So all this time, <laughs> all this time, petty, 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 like I've now... <laughs> <laughs> when I should have been addressing things, yes. when I should have been a little bit more confrontational, yes. necessarily mm-hmm. confrontational, I ended up looking. I ended up um, shortchanging myself and giving myself mediocrity mm-hmm. as a defense mechanism so that I don't draw too much attention to myself. But now, I told Abraham today. I said, "I bought excellence." <laughs> I will give people excellence all day long because at the end yeah, of the day, that, yeah. what, uh, my one of my favorite um, reggae that um, is a dancehall artist. <laughs> so I'm a I'm a pastor, but I used to listen. Is to that Buji? No, no, I'm not Buji. Buji is one of them. Buji is one of them. But Ninja Man, yeah, Ninja Man is bad. But Ninja Man says, <laughs> "If I want no one about that mention," he said, "If you want the war, don't bother, don't bother mention. I'll give it to you." Basically, that kind of situation where he's not afraid of yeah. conflict or confrontation. Yes. Jesus was not afraid of conflict or confrontation. John the Baptist was not afraid of conflict or confrontation. Paul. Peter, go down the line. Yeah. Read early church history. They all had to do it. To early church history, them men were flogging each other, left, right, and center, calling out heretics, doing all that, because they were not afraid of conflict because truth and love is more important than how I'm feeling in the moment. Or I don't want to offend somebody. Well, truth is going to offend somebody. But do you know what, though? I think there are so many negative, confront, neg- negative um, connotations to the words confrontation and conflict. Absolutely. So many negative. Mm. But if we take Jesus for an example, the way that he confronted people and had conflict, it wasn't always flipping tables and things like that. That's like more of a yeah. exception than the rule. 
Jesus would ask them questions yeah, yeah. back. You know, he would he would give them give it mm. to them in different ways. Ask them, okay, well, what do you think? Mass you know, <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. So I I think we need to get better at confronting things mm. and, at, and at conflict. Better at yeah. disagreeing with people yeah. about things. Better about saying, do you know what? I don't actually agree with you. I actually don't. So today I went out mm. for lunch um, with some with some guys. And we were having some some discussions and I disagreed on some of the things. And even now I'm thinking I probably need to text them to make sure that they know the fact that I disagree with you doesn't mean anything. It just means I disagreed with you. I'm not yeah, mad. Yeah. You're not you're not a heretic. Okay, you I agree with you. Like that's okay. <laughs> like, it's yeah, okay. it's cool. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's true. I mean, yeah, we need to get comfortable with that man. We're disagreeing. Like it's actually a, it's actually a decent thing for us to disagree. Mm. It means that we're all we're all we're all human and we all have our points yeah. of view. And you know what? It would be mad if we if we all agreed on everything. That means that we're mm-hmm. uniform. We're not we're not we're uniform and God didn't make us to be uniform. No. He didn't make us to be otherwise we'll all look the same like iRobot. We'll all look the same. And even iRobot, yeah. one of them mm. broke the mold because yeah. we're not all bent to be the all, same. No, Do you know what I mean? And I think that's where people struggle because they're like, oh yeah, I don't want to be in that situation where uh, I don't want to, I don't want to go against the grain. But actually, and that's, and this is, uh, if you look at those studies on conformity, this is what happens often. People don't want to go against the grain. Like, um, I don't remember if it's Solomon Ask with the lions and he got an actor to basically say that two lines, to, so two lines, there's like lines of lots of lines on the paper and, um, one line is like this and one line is like that and the actor would say that this line is the same as this line they're two different lengths mm. and he would convince so there'll be two or three actors that would convince him and, the, and most people will just go with what the actors were saying because they didn't want to go against the grain wow. even if they knew yeah, that wrong. that line was incorrect wow. and this happens even in church you will see that often. You know the scriptures are saying that this is not right. You're going against because you don't want to be excluded from the clique. Let mm. them exclude you. Jesus will mm. Jesus will take you into his own clique. Mm. <laughs> Do you know but, what I mean? but also as well, yeah. Like for me, my experience growing up was I didn't know how to find a middle ground. Yeah, so it's yeah. like I haven't seen myself not reacting, or if I react, I'm taking it too far. Mm. Yeah. So, because I couldn't find a middle ground, I think you know I don't want to take it too far. Sure. Let me not react. Mm. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, and how would you learn how to find the middle ground other than doing it sometimes and getting it wrong and then okay, I went too far. Now let me dial it back. Because you get criticized so much for doing it wrong that yeah, you think so? you know what? So? <laughs> <laughs> These people, twenty years from now, are not going to matter in your life. It's like no, you're right. You're right. It's something I had to I had to learn over time do you get what i'm saying mm. like and and i think maybe a school that kind of makes you like that in a way do you yeah. know because yeah. like someone someone does something here and your reaction has to be more than mm. what they did mm. do you get what i'm saying and then you just become like that yeah and then now becoming a christian i'm like i can't i can't, I can't move like this <laughs> yeah. this yeah. is wrong yeah. Do you know what I mean? So but, even when I would get a nerd, yeah, I would always feel like, okay, I didn't know how to kind of come, be calm and have like mm. a firm conversation, did it? It was either, I'm not going to say something, or I'm switching. Yeah. 
Do you get what I'm saying? So, yeah. and I guess like a, a lot of that was was fair about how I'll be perceived as well. But yeah. learning actually to actually still just be calm and be assertive and say, "No, this can't run," rather than going over the top. You know. Yeah. Do you know? Do you know what I find interesting as well? Just following on from what you're saying, Lee, yeah. Like, and it's a it's a it's a point to do with this, but it's also a separate point. One of the things I find interesting is that oftentimes in church we tend to police the response rather than deal with your first offence. Yeah. So we tend to police the response rather than deal with the first offence. So for example, like what Abraham is saying, he will be like, of course, even if you say you took the reaction further, well, you wouldn't have done, there wouldn't be a reaction if the person didn't do the first offence. So why are we so focused on you practising forgiveness rather than telling this person to practise repentance? Um, And that's why we struggle with repentance. I'm torn on that, you know. I'm torn on that because mm. I'm big on personal responsibility because there are going to be people out in the world who are going to push your buttons and it can, for me personally, it can't be about, well, he did this, so I did this. So he controls you. So he's he's your God now because he's doing something yeah, that makes you. Mm. So, so I, I understand what you're saying because personal responsibility is also on the person who did it. But yeah. for me, who's reacted, it, it shouldn't have happened that way. It says, be angry when you're in I'm okay. And but here's my point. Here's my point on this, and I agree with you because I think you said the word personal responsibility. Mm. But what I find is that people ignore the personal responsibility of the first person of the, and yeah, only yeah, focus yeah. on the on the second, yeah. which is an un, and the Bible says an unjust scale mm. is an abomination to the Lord. That's unjust. Mm. If you're gonna deal with both parties, you have to tell this person you went too far in your response, and that was mm. wrong. Mm. I need to repent from that. And then you also started an issue where there was no issue. So you need to repent from that. But what tends to happen is we say, oh, no, brother, you need to forgive. You don't need to get angry. You don't need to get angry. You don't need to get... And what that does mm. is that it makes somebody feel like there should be an emotional punching bag. It should, they should be... And I, and I hear you that we should take responsibility for our actions. Nobody has the right to... Nobody has the right to control me. Mm. But I'm asking the question because I've seen this happen all the time mm. let me tell you one reason <laughs> one of the one of the situations that I've seen is that there's a particular and oh how should I say this okay there's a particular <laughs> person who is known for just saying whatever comes to their head about people. yeah 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 and they are known for it but what they what people do is that oh they've had a hard life but me that they're saying it to my own life has been easy in car what is it like? What, what's been easy about my life? Yeah, I get what you're saying. They make excuses for that person. They make excuses for that person. But the Bible tells yeah. us clearly, warn the unruly one. But we don't do that in church. This one talk about church discipline. We don't warn the unruly one. That unruly one be walking around because they said that they have one trauma. Nobody can verify their trauma, but they've gone around and caused <laughs> havoc in church. Do you know what? It's happened what? all the time. I, I've been trying to think about. <laughs> I've been trying to think about biblically, what does the Bible say about this? And the things that I've been thinking are, if a brother, you know, if someone has offended you and you have all against them, what does it say? It says, go talk to them. So there is meant Mm. to actually be something where you're meant to be talking to people about what's hurting you. Jesus, when they asked him about forgiveness, he said, what isn't it? If, If he repents, forgive him, whatever it is, 70 times, seven times. But there's also an element of, him coming to repent so like i i, I agree oh, with you that okay. there has to be something about 
everybody taking personal responsibility. It shouldn't be a one-sided thing. Um, but I do agree with you, like, we're not very good at that. We don't hold the perpetrator mm-hmm. responsible. And I think part of me is just yeah. like, well, if some people are just not going to change. So why am I wasting my energy trying to get you to change and tell you? All I can do is say, when you act out, I don't care. <laughs> act out all you mm. want, it doesn't matter to me. That's, that, I guess that yeah. for me is where I can, I can be in control, but I can't control other people. And I get you, yeah, yeah. Me, you know? Yeah. And I, I, and I agree with you, Toby. I think I think what you're saying is absolutely on point. Mm. I'm, what I'm also saying is, we still as a church need to wander yeah. on ruling yeah. because yeah. what tends to happen is, oh, yeah. that person is not changing. Well, the Bible is very clear on that. Deliver that person over to Satan. Uh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. Wait, I shouldn't even be laughing like this. <laughs> <laughs> Bible is very clear. I wasn't ready for it. It's less communication. If the person doesn't want to change. Treat them like a tax collector or an unbeliever. That's what the Bible. Wow. That same Matthew eighteen you quoted. You take yeah. them. Uh, you take them. You go and speak to them. They're not changing. You take two or three brothers. They're not changing. Mm-hmm. Then report them to the church, which is the leadership mm-hmm. and the rest of the church. And they're not listening. Treat them like an, a tax moving. collector or an unbeliever. Keep it moving. Mm-hmm. They ain't got no. But you know why I won't do that? Because ah, our membership will go down. We will lose members. That's what is disturbing people. They will lose members. That's what disturbs people, losing members. Okay, if your body gets rid of cancer cells, are you not happy? Why would you be upset that this person that's causing... And it's hard to say that about someone, but some people have caused havoc in churches. Real havoc. And all we can say is they've had a tough time when they were growing up. I'll give you an example of this. There was somebody that was speaking out of the side of their mouth about marriage when it comes to my, my marriage with Sarah and basically insinuating insinuating that because Sarah and I don't disagree in public yeah it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a, it's a system that we've decided to do we don't go and just go and be arguing in public on the no we've chosen not to do that if we want to disagree we go home and disagree amongst mm. ourselves figure out our solution then come out mm. oh I've had someone take the person say, I've had boyfriends like that. And I was <laughs> looking at me you know, because this, this to, uh, I've had boyfriends like that. And you know, you know, if he's struggling with that, maybe it may be an insecurity in him. First of all, argue in public. That's exactly. First of all, the reason why we did the reason why we did this, no, let, let me let me I'm going I'm gonna be vulnerable here. The reason why we did this and we chose it as a manner of life was because Sarah never witnessed her parents argue. Sarah never witnessed her parents argue. They argued, they disagreed, but they didn't the children didn't even of course the children the children would be sent to bed early so that they could discuss. <laughs> but yeah. they, they never but I did. Mm. And that messed me up. Mm. That really did some damage to me because I w- I got to a point where I was arbiter. I got to a point, 17, 18, when the call of God is in my life, I got to a point where I started doing marital counseling. <laughs> Your own parents. Nah. Yeah, that's crazy. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I did it. And my parents will tell you. They will tell you the truth. My dad turned to my, my, my wife one day and said, this boy saved my marriage this boy because i just took the bible i just took the bible and gave it to them that's all now this person this individual opened their mouth and say that what did what have i gone through what have i witnessed my my own trauma doesn't mean anything but the so-called trauma that they've had nobody can verify other than she's made bad decisions but you can come and tell me 
you can come and tell me that my trauma is not not worthy of anything because people have prior this is the this is the what I'm talking about. People have prioritized some people's trauma above everyone else's. So as long as this person is more expressive with their trauma, and yeah. they will go and cry every altar call that they've they've gone through. Oh yo! <laughs> no, no, let's talk, man. Let's talk the rule so that we can liberate the church. So because people will be expressing their trauma, oh, I've suffered, and they will do blog pieces. I've gone through hardship. Then other people who keep their mouth quiet about their trauma, they are the ones who should suffer again, twice, three times, four times. I witnessed my parents argue. Me and Sarah are not going to argue in public. If we have a disagreement, we'll sit down with each other and we'll discuss it. We're not going to go and do the nonsense because you think that it's a sign of passion. Keep your passion to yourself. But bro, the thing is, right, is that it sounds like this person (laughs) is talking from a place of trying to be helpful. Yeah. But they don't Mm -hmm. actually know how to be helpful. They're talking from their issues. They're talking from, ironically, the person who's talking about your insecurities is talking from their insecurity. Right? Insecurities. It's not even, but the thing is, bro, it's not even malicious. Yeah, she's not trying to actually wreck your marriage. She's thinking she's trying to help you. And this is where sometimes people, that thing of they know not what they do, I'm like, she doesn't know what she's doing. That's all it comes down to. I agree with you, Tony. Please hear me. Please, my brother, I agree with you. But what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, <laughs> this person is known for this stuff, bro. And so for me, there's yeah. a system of there's yeah. a system of I when I talk to other people in that, that community, that church group, I'm talking about the situation. I'm like, what's going on? Oh yeah, oh yeah, she kind of gets yeah. like that. So she kind of gets like that. So none of you repeating her. What's going on? And I think that's a church. We leave people like that because they're expressive yeah. with their trauma or they're opinionated or they're gonna shout or they're gonna scream. So what? Your trauma doesn't trump everybody else's. We're all washed by the blood. We're all sanctified by the blood. We all come to Jesus with our issues. If we're all coming to Jesus with our issues, then nobody's church hurt, nobody's trauma, nobody's issues greater than the other person's. We're not going to do trauma Olympics here. We're going to take our trauma to the to the, to the King of Kings and we're going to work through it together. But you're not going to use your wound and open your wound over somebody's head well, and bleed on no, them. No, 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 no. And, and then they have to deal with their own blood their yeah. own bleeding and yeah. on your own bleeding as well and because that is what i'm this is what i'm talking about we've done this so many times in the church yeah. and people and people walk away from church but those people seem to go away and have hero stories about how mm. they've been so revived and how they've been yeah. so transformed they'll mm. go and make a narrative about how you know they went through a difficult time some of them will even <laughs> so people will even use them as a point of reference to how they got saved they had bad breakup this person came to their life and talked to them now they're saved i don't understand all this stuff but me totally what i'm saying is if we're going to be a church going forward we've got to be able to tell somebody yes we can see you're in pain but that person should not be receiving your pain you're in pain i think it comes back to what we're talking about about conflict about dealing with conflict and people being conflict absolutely and what i would say is so i had a boss and he told me he said you teach people how to treat you yeah so the one Mm. time you come to me disrespectfully and i tell you you don't talk to me like that yeah the second time you don't talk to me like that until you get the fact you don't talk to me like that but people don't want the conflict that comes with that they don't want the thing of oh Mm. he's an angry black man oh he's this he's that we don't yeah and and that's what sets us apart actually is being willing to speak the truth but in love so being able to say look brother yeah i love you but you're acting out like yeah i love yeah, you that's real you, you can't treat people like that whether in the church yeah. or in the church, you can't do that 
but we're, we're scared mm. to do that. We don't want the conflict that comes with it, but we need to yeah. face it. Which is what is the heart of our, our ministry. I mean, that's the script. The scripture that you're quoted there is the heart of our ministry. Speaking mm. the truth in love. We're mm. going to tell you the truth in love. Mm. So mm. You're bleeding on people and it's not fair on them. No. You want to be... And then some people are like, you see, some people are not changing because they're getting the benefits of bleeding on people because everybody's pandering to that. But actually, yeah. we spoke the truth in love and we're not afraid of conflict because church is messy because it's a hospital it's not a it's not a a, a, a museum of 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 marbled of marble statues of perfectly mm. carved marble statues yeah. it's a hospital we're all bleeding here yeah. we're all, and the physician is jesus so we need to get to a place where you say guy stop coming out of your hospital bed because every time you leave your hospital, <laughs> your hospital is tomorrow's day yeah. Put in your hospital bed and let Jesus you, do it. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he lives by what he says about speaking the truth. Because remember, Tony, yeah, that one of the episodes when you were talking about an intervention with Arnold? Yeah. That they did with you, with Arnold yeah. Nash. Him and, him and my other friend you met on my birthday, Joseph, they had an intervention with me. <laughs> <laughs> man. <laughs> oh, these guys, these guys let me know, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> If, if, especially, and you know what? Sometimes, if we love you, if we love you, sometimes we just keep, we just speak the truth because the love is assumed. <laughs> bro, <laughs> bro, you know what? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think it's you possible. Know I love to get you, so let me just speak truth. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I didn't know it's possible for you to get virtually rushed. <laughs> <laughs> I want them to do the same. If I'm gonna do mm. something that's gonna mess up my life, don't mm. don't don't pander yeah, to me. Right. Yeah. Don't pander to me, or ever you punch me up. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I'm the same what, way, man. Tell me the truth. Isn't that in scripture? Yeah, let me deal with it how I need to deal with it, but tell me the truth. Tell me. The wound At least of a friend. Know. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, this is it. Isn't there, isn't there that scripture that says the wounds of a friend are like better of a than the kiss of an enemy or something like that? Exactly. Yeah. And, and, I'm, and I'm thinking I would prefer if you if you knocked my head and said, "Guy, wake up, man, please," because mm. you're messing up yourself. Then for mm. you to go, "Ah, oh, don't worry, Junior. It's okay. It's, everything's great." And you know you've been hurt a lot in life. That's why you're going, brother. Tell me to get up, man. Mm. Tell me to get up. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me to be like the four lepers. Why sit you here and die? Come on. Get up. Let's move. Because I know that on the other side of that is the Assyrian camp where the riches, where I could even change my life and the lives of others. If I get up, why sit I why sit me why sit we here and die? And I think there's a place where conflict, being conflict averse in church has hindered us going forward. And, and it, do you know it, it exp- when we when we struggle with conflict in our own church, how can we handle conflict from outside? Oh, That's why we have so many churches, churches pandering to the world. Mm. We're always trying to beg the world for 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 relevance. Why? The church, the, the world doesn't need a church that's begging them. That's why they laugh at us. They don't take us seriously. Mm. But meanwhile, they're rushing to Islam, mm. and Islam is is probably the most anti-West religion in the world. Islam doesn't fit in with they the Western. The they welcome There's the conflict. Muslims will come and will come and conflict them and <laughs> tell them to <laughs> tell them to their face 
They don't care about what they believe. The Muslims will tell them to their face. They don't care because a Muslim only fears fears his God and only wants to follow his prophet. That's it. But you and I believe in Jesus Christ and we're playing fast and loose with him because of grace and the grace abounds and grace. Why we treat grace like she's a side chick? Grace is a real, real transformation. It's to transform our lives and empower us to live for Christ. Grace is not something that we just play around with or whenever we get whenever we get a bit uh, 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 get a bit hot under the collar because we're now dealing with difficult subjects we say oh let's extend grace to each other yeah we're extending grace by telling each other the truth that's grace yeah. grace and yeah. truth came through jesus grace and truth the law came through but grace and truth they're truth. Two, they're married yeah. you know that's that's the point for me i'm like if we're gonna love if we're gonna love each other let's be let's tell the truth to each other let's work with each other let's build each other let's have the conflict in love and grow from that rather than sitting there and going this person has too much trauma that person has too much trauma yes they have trauma so let's be trauma informed about our practice if we want to do the courses let's do the courses mm. and go forward instead of sitting down there and complaining <laughs> do you know what i mean mm. right that's mm. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love what you said about being trauma informed and knowing how to approach that, but it doesn't mean that you don't approach yeah. it. So, so I love that. I love that. Abraham, Pastor Junior, thank you so much for for being on the on the podcast. I really enjoyed our conversation, and thank you guys. For yeah, likewise. <laughs> and we will see you on the next episode. Peace. Peace. Peace.